Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. And I'm Karen. We are a mother-daughter duo of mediums, medical intuitives, psychics, and energy healers offering personal sessions to clients all over the world. And this is our podcast. Coffee with the Sarlows is a platform to share the remarkable experiences of our clients and the messages that are channeled for them from the spirit world. These stories will make you laugh, some will make you cry, and some are certain to be an absolute butt-kicking with love. Our intent for this podcast is to gently and kindly challenge your beliefs, grow your empathy, and help you find pieces of your own self in each one of these individual stories. Before we jump into today's show, we have a few notes for our listeners. Karen and I have personal practices channeling for local and international clients. If the stories in these shows is something you'd like to experience, you can request your own personal session through our website, bysarlo.com. We also have gift certificates available if you wish to gift this experience to someone anywhere in the world. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. This series is your emotional and intuitive intelligence toolkit. We pick one topic every month and provide you with healthy tools for critical thinking and communication. This series airs the first week of every month. The first show is free and can be found on our website, your favorite podcast platform, or YouTube. The full series can be found on patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Patreon is our membership portal with a ton of monthly benefits for those of you seeking to grow your emotional and intuitive intelligence. Karen has a personal blog that explores the beauty and importance of intuitive gifts. There's a question and answer segment that addresses listeners' questions. As we mentioned, you can find the complete Sips of Sanity series here, along with handy habit trackers and great reflective questions to help you get the most from the shows. We provide you with guided journeys and music to enrich that experience, and we're running an emotionally intelligent, interactive book club. And for patrons in our top tier, each month we're putting your names into a draw for a free half-hour channeling session with Karen or myself. If you're interested in joining us, head over to patreon.com forward slash by Sarlo. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Kelly. Happy Saturday. Good morning. Can you give me the name for a female for today's show, please? I will choose Noella. Okay. So Noella is a client who is by telephone. And she says to me, could you give me some information just in terms of relationship, whatever you get, whatever the guides want to share with me? And the guides immediately said to me, does she mean the relationship that she's kind of currently in? Kind of? Yeah. (laughs) Like this. And I thought, oh my God, is that ever ambiguous? How am I supposed to kind of say something to her like, are you kind of in a relationship? Like she's going to come back and think, well, you're the psychic, don't you know? Well, if someone's truly in a kind of relationship, you know. I agree. But people play that kind of game, right? That's See, that's interesting. I would assume that a mean person who is fully in a relationship might pull something rude if that was the case, if, if that's what you said, are you kind of in a relationship? But if that person truly is only kind of in a relationship where things are unclear, I think that person would be more likely to affirm it and be like, oh, that's a good way to put it. That's fair. I, I think what you're saying is very fair. I'm just saying I've had both situations. And in this one, I had no clue what was coming my way. But well, we never do. Yeah. So I said to the guides first, 
um, can you explain a little bit more before I jump in and ask her about this? So that I am prepared if she comes back with ambiguity or how come you don't know, um, I'd like to be be prepared a little bit more. And the guide said, well, um, this is interesting. Like she has been in a relationship and the gentleman here is far more emotionally intelligent than she is. And he knows that he can be patient and move through a relationship, but she's never had a partner who has patience. So she feels that if it isn't going well every day or right off the bat, or she doesn't have some sense of control or knowing about it, that she just thinks that it's not a relationship and that she's already been rejected. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I think that explanation did a lot to put Noella and I on the right foot together with the spirit guides. Mm -hmm. Because it was simple then to repeat all of that to her and say, hey, this is what your soul is telling me. This is what your guides are saying about where you're at right now, what's going on in your life. And that you kind of create a lot of ambiguity around a relationship out of your own fears. And that as you create anxiety in that ambiguity, you can then become the avoider, uh, the withholder, and shut down and end it. And it will, it's also a belief system. Yes. Like, I wouldn't disagree for a second that it's because of fears, but you have to have a belief system that fuels that fear. Yeah. That if, you know, that, that if you love someone, anger shouldn't be present, for example, right? That those two things can't be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're hitting the nail on the head there. So um, Noella said to me when I offered all of that information, I said, is this accurate as to where you're at? And she said, absolutely. And she says, so I was being really vague, Karen, because I really don't know where I'm at. Right. And I said, okay, that's that's fair. That That's honest. And I said, and I love how your guides and your soul came in to describe your own confusion. And she goes, yeah, and I'm really hoping that I'm going to get more clarity around the confusion that I'm in. So I said, okay, then let's just keep going open and let's keep asking the guides for information and whatever they want to offer you to help you. And so I went back to the guides and I said, what else or how do you want to begin? Like, where do you want to go with this? And they said, well, we'd like to back it up to um, her partner before this person um, where, where she was in a marriage. And in that marriage, she people-placed. So you're spot on, Kelly, about the fact that there's a belief system there that anger isn't supposed to be in a relationship or it's not a healthy relationship. Yeah. And I mean, really and truly... It, it goes way far beyond or before, I should say, the marriage. Yeah. This is probably stemming from childhood and how she was conditioned to believe about relationships. And you're, you're beautifully doing this because you're one step ahead um, and you're leading the, the, the listeners now to where the session goes. <laughs> so it's lovely. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. So we then went in to explain to her about the marriage and we spent quite a bit of time with her, um, with the guides explaining to her her own behavior in the marriage. I love, just as an aside, that you say we all the time. 
uh, because you're talking about you and the guides. Yeah. And when I'm doing consent, sitting all by myself in front of my computer or on yeah. the phone, I say like, we'll do this. We will do that. We will do yeah. this. And I think like, I wonder if the humans on the other end ever catch me and think like, who the <laughs> fuck is we? Yeah. You know, like it's just you doing the session. <laughs> it isn't though. No, God, no. <laughs> by far, if it was just us, we'd only have an opinion. My finger at my nose. Right. Or we'd only have our own experiences or our, the, the books we've read and what yeah. we've learned or the TV shows we've watched, it would just be us. I, it, ju- I just love the inclusivity. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I, I think it's really cool because the more people choose to come and, and some people do, right? They come once a month, they come a couple times mm-hmm. a year for like what they call tune-ups or just to check in with their own soul. It kind of also primes them to get into the habit of, re- of referring to we as well, yeah. w- meaning themselves and their yeah. guides. You know, how are we doing? How am I doing with them? Like yeah. it just, I don't know. It just, I think reminds people you're not doing this all by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So they talked more about the marriage and they explained how the people pleasing on her part in the marriage came from a really deep belief that anger was to be avoided. And she had a partner who believed the very same thing. So they didn't really deal with anything. And after many, many, many years of uh, avoidance, anxiety and avoidance, um, they they ended it. They decided that this wasn't going anywhere, um, that they both weren't happy, but they blamed each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found things to blame in the other person. He doesn't pick up after himself. I'm sick of being his mother. Um, you know, she she isn't making as much money as I want her to. Um, she won't, you know, climb the so the the ladder in finances and in you know I want somebody with more of um a drive for success. I want I want more things and she's not on the same page. So they blamed each other and ended that marriage without ever taking a pause to say, what did my own behavior do to contribute to an unhealthy relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cool because those two things are completely separate. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those examples that you listed as to why someone might desire a different partner than what they currently have. Mm-hmm. They're all fair desires. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be with mm-hmm. someone who has drive and an mm-hmm. ambition to achieve more and more. Like those are all fair things. But the most important part that I'm hoping listeners are hearing from what you're saying is that while the desires are fair, if you're evaluating why something didn't actually work, you still have to check in and ask how you contributed to that demise. Mm-hmm. And when I when I brought all of this up, and then I posed that question, and I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but I'll just go with the one that I just said about asking herself how she contributed to an unhealthy relationship. Noella really took a pause, Kelly, and said to me, um, do you mind if I write this down? Can I stop and write down the question? She says, I'm trying to get better um, at learning better questions to ask myself. I would never have thought to ask myself that. I just went through life. I didn't know to think that way. And I don't know why I feel shame that I didn't know to think this way. Oh, people pleasing. You got it. If you're conditioned to constantly be thinking about another person and anticipating mm-hmm. their needs, you don't ask yourself self-evaluating questions. You just ask, how can I help? 
How can I not make them angry? And and I'll say too, like if you know people are listening and you really identify with Noella at this point, shame is a very natural reaction. I'm not saying you should feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it is a natural emotion that's going to arise when you start to connect these dots and understand, oh, I haven't been able to connect them on my own. Mm-hmm. It's not that you have to sit in the shame, but we can certainly come above it and observe it mm-hmm. in order to learn from it and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, so the guides explained this to her, and then she asked another good question. And Well, I, I'm going to say she gave another good direction, and she went, do you think you could dive a little deeper into that? And I said, oh my God, yes. I love going down what I call the rabbit holes. Yeah. I also love that she came ready to work. Yeah. And so I went down that rabbit hole with the spirit guides and I said, so what do you want to say to her? She's she's digging here. And they went, yes, this is why she found you. This is, she knows you're going to go and dig deeper and deeper. So we're going to go right back to childhood and we're going to talk about being raised as a people pleaser, being raised in the anxious avoidant personality style, being raised in tons of shaming statements behaviors and looks. And I said, well, give up, give, give something up there. Like, talk to me a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I didn't word that right. I think the words give up just came out of your mouth. I do. <laughs> I, no, I might give it up. Like, tell me. Yeah. I don't think I use that expression. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, I asked the spirit guides um, to give me more information. How's that for clarity? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> So they they went in and they they said about how her dad would give her a look of disapproval um, with his mouth, with his eyebrows, like with his eyes, like everything about it that was very, very specific. And that she could even tell that that he had the disapproving look when his back was facing her. Mm -hmm. That she just, she knew it was already there. And that at times she would turn away from him before he could even turn around to show her his face. Hmm. And that she she had learned to walk away from it, but she still felt the shame. So we talked about that. I, I brought that up specifically about her dad's looks and what parts of the face, the eyebrows in particular, and the mouth, um, and and that whole peering gaze, like staring her down. But I'll say not looking her up and down, looking her straight in the eyes, like you look away first. And it was like the staring contest between... Intimidation. Oh, yeah. And uh, thank you for naming it. But it was really important for me to describe it to her and to describe the feelings that he was really working hard purposefully to create in her to make her submissive. And we did. The guides and I explained that. And I said, now, it is not to make you feel it again. It is to explain it to you that he did this knowingly and willingly for control over to hurt you. This is not love. And she t- she cried. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, I've asked myself the question over and over my whole life. Does my dad not love me? Does my dad love me? She says, and I, I look for it in everything. I look for it everywhere trying to figure out, does he love me? She says, and I and I I believe, well, he's my dad, he's supposed to. So therefore he must. And I said, no. I said, he doesn't. And I said, no, that is not my opinion as Karen. That is coming from the spirit guides 
telling you from from your soul and from his soul. And they want you to understand this because it's important that you understand that he did not, because you need to stop looking for that kind of love with other partners, with other men. And and the reason that we do, we being humans falling into that pattern or conditioning, is to prove to ourselves that that is in fact love and convince ourselves that if that is love, then of course dad loves me, right? We need to still believe it, even though everything in our body is telling us this isn't love. And what is most healing is what you just gave to her is the affirmation that she was right. Yeah. That everything she felt in her body when her dad was consciously conditioning her was mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and that while that is very difficult to accept, knowing that you were right, knowing that that intuition was on point is so important. Okay. This is, this is the moment. This is one of the moments in the session where she gets it. Hmm. This is the happy dance. And I got to tell you, Kelly, my shoulders were shrugging and I was moving in my chair doing my dance for her Mm -hmm. because you could see and you could hear in our conversation where she was taking it in. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, so do you now want to fast track and go into the marriage? And she goes, oh yeah. She goes, but I already, I can confirm for you right off the bat. She says that you're going to tell me that I stayed in that marriage till I saw the same damn look in my partner's eyes. And that I basically, and I don't, I, this is the way she said it. So I'm just going to repeat here. I basically pushed my partner to be similar to my father by my behavior. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. I said, did you take that to therapy? And she looked at me and she went, what? And I said, this is a brilliant moment, but it's a moment to take to therapy. I said, you're doing the work. And I said, but you need somebody else that's going to sit with you and help you get past where you just acknowledge something, but help you get further into what you're doing, further into the work, so you get your healing. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, I've been thinking about it. And I said, well, I hope this session and what we've just done together with your soul and your dad's soul and your partner's, your ex-partner's soul, um, encourages you to go ahead and book that appointment so that you can get unstuck at this point now. And I said, but that's going to bring me to what we are now calling the current partner that you have all the ambiguity around. (laughs) And she goes, yes, can you get back to that? And I said, yes. But her tone of voice at that point shocked me a little bit, Kelly, because it it was annoyance with me. It was like this, um, well, why did you go and do all that other stuff? This is what I asked you for. <laughs> and I just remembered thinking, wow, did we ever have a shift, like in a split second, where she got what she needed, and then she went into her impatience of, but now I didn't get what I wanted, or I don't think I did yet, so why didn't you do it for me? So the guide said, um, this is a pattern of hers, <laughs> And it has to do with the people pleasing. So you need to bring up what she's just done and you need to challenge her about her behavior with you. Oh, absolutely. Because so far what I'm hearing just as an outsider is that you said, okay, so can we go back into childhood? And she said, yes. And then you said, okay, so now let's fast forward, which is still going backwards to the marriage. And she said, yes, let's do that. Yeah. And now she's mad at the things she consented to. Yes. So I pointed that out to her. I said exactly what you said. I said, you, 
you gave permission for me to go back. And I said, and we went deeply. I even asked you if I could go down a rabbit hole and that I joyfully liked going down rabbit holes to explain where problems originated in this lifetime and in past lifetimes. And I said, you consented. And now you're using a tone of voice that indicates that I'm not doing what you want and that you're angry. On top of that, she excitedly affirmed things and even jumped ahead and said, oh, and Karen, I already know what you're going to tell me about the marriage. I did this, this, and this with my behavior. Like She actually did a great job connecting all those dots and doing work in the moment. Now, my suspicion is that she went so far into her shame at that point yes. when she made that realization that she had to project that shame outward because she can't handle more inward. That's correct. And now it's your fault. Yes. And so we got into a conversation around this being a pattern and or in the marriage and with the current partner. And that shame was at the bottom of it. And she got told to go to Beverly Angel's book, It Wasn't Your Fault. And um, the nice girl syndrome, so that she could work through the shame issues, the people-pleasing issues, and the guide suggested that she ask her therapist if that person would be open to reading those books, uh, if they're not trained in those, I'll say in those specialties, I don't know what the right word is, to go to come along with her to work through the book with her if that was possible, or at least that they know that she's reading those books and that that's why she's coming to therapy. So then the guide said, this is where she's at with the current partner. So I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, her current partner is somebody who was a people pleaser as well who was similarly raised by parents who withheld love and who shamed him as well. There's there's a lot here where they found uh, a connection to each other and thought that was love because they could resonate with each other's lives. They went through the same type of childhood, the same type of parenting. They both could say the same story about their past marriages. So they thought, this is love. We're going to heal each other. We have the same wounds. You got it. I think it's called trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. But they thought it was called love. And I said, well, this, is a, this was trauma bonding, though. And she went, I don't even know what that means. And I said, well, that's another reason why therapy could help you. A therapist could explain the trauma bond to you ex- exactly what it is in detail, more than I can in a one-hour session with you. So I said, I will put that out there for you so that you can research it. And I said, and put you in the right direction to go to some YouTube videos and some authors and therapy. And I said, but let's call it what it is instead of falling in love. And she went, Jesus. And I said, and that's not to shame you. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh. And I said, no. I said, my intention and this, your soul and the spirit guy's intentions are never to shame you. It's always to educate you. And if you stay in a mindset of I'm learning, then when you feel shame, you can allow it to sit there, but you don't have to go down the drain, so to speak, with it. And then you can't listen to the educational part. Because when you go into shame, it's like you can't, you can't find your ears it's like they're just not on your head. Or you, it's like you take your shame ears, if you want, and you put those on. And it filters. Yes. And you can't hear anything else that's educational mm. or that's helpful. Or that doesn't confirm 
what your unhealthy belief system has been telling you. Yeah. And so if somebody's trying to say that there's a healthier belief, belief system out there, you can't hear it because you're buying into the, the belief system that you're, that you're you know, swimming around in, drowning in. So we had that moment to sit together and I asked her, I said, look, I'm going to do a pause here and check in with you and ask you if this is meeting your needs, if this is crossing any boundaries, if I'm answering your questions, and may I continue the session. You could hear in her sigh relief. You could hear in her tone of voice after that of like um, a calmness or more of an ability to, oh, I know what it is, Kelly, less interrupting, less talking over me, where she gets calmer and doesn't, ha- doesn't interrupt and talk over um, out of the anxiety that she was in. Thanks. So there's, there's um, a difference in the energy in our conversation, and it shifts. And she goes, do you think that you could go into what the current guy thinks? And I said, yep. I said, we're asked that a lot. I said, so I'm going to say some things that he's actually said to you, and you can confirm them to let me know if they're correct or not. And I would, I would appreciate that. And she said, okay. So then I said, he's, he comes through to say that while he had the same past as you, his, his children, his adult children and their partners, they're married. So his, I think it was all daughters-in-law and sons, practice with him to create better communication skills, practice with him looks that he gives, or and he's been correcting all of these people-pleasing behaviors. Like he's working hard. So he's dating her, but as he's been dating her, he's recognizing his old patterns don't look so attractive anymore. And he's discovering that because he's doing his work to change those. So when he shows up on a date and he's got a new tool to work with her and she stays who she is, which is reflective of who he used to be, he's not, he's not attracted and he's challenging it. And he's, he's sitting there saying things to her like, you don't have to just agree with me. I'd like to hear what your opinion is. I would like for you to take your time, think about it. I, I can sit here and be calm and wait. There's no rush. I'll just drink my coffee. You go ahead and think about what you'd like to do. And she doesn't want to. So she goes into being angry that he won't just make the decision for them because she wants to people place. So he's recognizing the pattern and he's pointing it out to her. He's saying, I know you have some anxiety. It's okay. I can sit and wait. So he's trying to do his work. He's trying to be there and help her come out of it. And she's resisting all of that. And so he has said to her, there's no sex. There's no sex I need to know what kind of a person you are. I'm not just going to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. I would like to have sex if you're going to be the right person for me, but I'm willing to take my time because in the past, since I went through my divorce, I've had sex with women too fast. And then we both thought we were in the relationship because we'd had sex or you have to dump each other. So he goes, I'm trying to figure out how not to do that anymore by actually coming forward and getting to know a woman. So he says, I'm not willing to have sex right off the bat. 
And so she feels that's rejection or that he's gay or what is wrong with him. And so her question, though she didn't ask it out loud in the session, was, what's his deal about sex? Mm. So that was the original, can you tell me what's going on, whatever you get about the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's worth pointing out to people, to listening, that often people will call us and ask us a very broad question when they know they have a very direct question to ask and don't want to ask it. Yeah. And I mean, specifically for that one, that's a tough one to just yeah. blurt out loud. Why won't yeah. this person that I'm seeing have sex with me? Yeah. Because you already potentially feel shame about that. Yeah. It's it's a feeling of humiliation. Again, not that they should feel it, but it's mm-hmm. it makes sense that they would um, mm-hmm. to just blurt that out to a partner or pardon me, to a stranger. Um, mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive for sure. Yeah. And I think in her particular case for Noella, um, her broad question allowed the spirit guides to go pretty deep into her behaviors that he's actually trying to address in the relationship and the reason why he won't have sex. Mm. It isn't that he's gay. It is not that he's impotent or doesn't find her attractive or has any issues. He's literally trying to get to know her. And be mature. I, I love, in a facetious mm-hmm. way, that the when someone has emotional intelligence, what is asked of them is what's wrong with you. Yes. And and like it's it's beautiful that you're pointing that out. We got to that eventually where she could actually laugh about that. Oh, that's good. And be able to say to me, Jesus, he just wants to get to know me. And I said, Yes. And and he's hanging around. It's been months. He keeps explaining to you when you want sex, when you're asking why not, when you're pressing, when you're pushing for it, he keeps saying to you, slow down. And she goes, oh my God, that is exactly his expression, slow down. And then I get angry, or then I go into my people-pleasing, and then I just do whatever he wants. And she says to me, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to just blow him off, or I've gone on a date and said, if it isn't tonight, I'm not seeing him again. And I said, well, (laughs) I said, he's doing a beautiful job, though, because he's actually connecting to you. Well, I mean, she's still, all she's doing is illustrating that she either wants to people-please or have control. Yes. And she's swinging from one to the other. Yes. So far. <laughs> yep. And she goes, I can't remember the question she asked Kelly, so I'll have to kind of skip the question part here. But I, I wrote down the notes for what the answer was. But the guides ended up telling her that he's in therapy, and so he's being coached by a therapist. But he's also being coached by his sons and his daughters-in-law. And so after dates... This is funny. The When the family has their Sunday night dinners or whatever it was, I can't remember, they have some routine on the weekend. And um, when they all get together, they ask him about her. Mm-hmm. They ask, and he she hasn't met them yet, by the way, mm. because they have said, it's not time for us to meet her. You don't bring a woman home to us until you are confident, dad. Take your time. Mm-hmm. You take your time. She, we don't have to meet her. We don't have to... Um, see who she is and judge anything. We want to, to see your process so that you don't end up in the same relationship that you had with mom. Very cool. 
so he has all of this support behind him because he has sought it, because he talks about it, because he has homework and has to go home and tell them what his homework is. Well, he's he's engaging in life again. Oh, yeah. Which is what the people pleasers don't do, right? And that, yes. that sounds counterintuitive because they are the like get in there and do things and fix things for everyone. So they look very engaged, but they're most disengaged with their own life. Yes. And one of the comments he said to her um, and that the guides repeated and she validated was, you like to keep us busy. And I don't want to always be busy. I want to get to know you. So his when he was responsible to plan a date, he would plan a date where it could be something like a walk and then sitting on the deck or, you know, sitting at the lake or something with a coffee or, a, you know, a, a takeout dinner where they could sit and talk and face each other. And she would plan bowling and skiing and skydiving. And she was planning things where they were so busy that there was very little engagement. She'd say, let's go to the bar. She'd say, let's go out with a group of friends. She would say, let's go to so-and-so's house where they're having a party. And when she invited him over, it was with a group of people. And he was doing more solitary things, trying to see if he actually liked who she is. Mm -hmm. And she went, ah, shit, Karen. He pointed that out to me and said, exactly that, that I keep him, that I keep us busy. And that he feels that because I do that, that I'm avoiding trying to get to know him. Yep. And that's why he won't have sex with me. And I said, well, I said, you found yourself <laughs> a really beautiful man. And I said, I hope you get your shit together mm-hmm. in order to be able to show up and actually be in a relationship because it means connection. Mm-hmm. And I said, deep down, isn't it what you want? And she agreed. It is what she wants and that she can't figure out how to get what she wants. And that would explain her frustration. And that would explain where she's putting all of her frustration on sex. So when we said that to her, then she sat back and she goes, is this where I'm not supposed to feel shame? And I'm supposed to feel like I'm getting an education? And I went, 100%. Nice. And she went, okay, this is a really freaking weird feeling. Of freedom? Yeah. And mm-hmm. she goes, it's a good feeling. And I don't know how long it will last. So I'm going to say that I'm really grateful to the guides and to my soul and to you that I'm not sitting in shame. And she says, but boy, oh boy, I have to go back and tell my girlfriends that I actually have found a really good man. I've been trashing him. Oh. I've been saying things like he won't put out. And she says, now I need to go back. And I need to explain to them that he's trying to get to know me and that I have been avoiding showing up and that he's been patient enough with me to allow me to try to show up. And the reason he's doing that for me is because he recognizes my problem because he had it and he's in his own process of fixing it. But she says, I have a funny feeling that he's going to dump me pretty soon if I don't come too quickly. Because isn't he going to want a partner who's not going to continue to try his patience in that way Mm -hmm. and instead have healthy patience for each other where we're actually doing the work together? Yeah. And and one of the words that I would like to throw out there is maturity, 
Yeah. Right? Like, yes, we're stressing the importance of getting these emotional intelligent, emotionally intelligent tools under your belt. But really and truly, like, we're talking about maturing, growing up. And even the way that you're recapping the way that she speaks to her girlfriends, her adult girlfriends, mm-hmm. she is speaking like a teenager mm-hmm. who has no developed frontal lobe. Yeah. Yeah. Like... We didn't have a chat about that, Kelly, but I'm glad that you're bringing that up because there are a lot of grown adults past the age of, I'll say, 18 that still go around and trash other people, and that's called immaturity. Yeah, and, and I will say too, like as as a, not I guess not so side note, that is a result of shame, right? Like we can't develop those executive functioning skills if shame is this driving force in our life, if that is what we are constantly trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So so it does make sense is what I'm trying to say that she would behave in such immature ways. Mm-hmm. Now it's about getting the tools so that you can mature in your, fu- in your executive functioning. Mm-hmm. So her last question of the session was, Will he stick around long enough for me to figure this out? And the guides came back and said, that depends on you. If you take what you've learned in today's session, if you decide you're going to go to therapy, if you decide you're going to buy those books, if you're going to stop hanging out with friends that behave that way, or be at least behave in a more mature way when you are with your friends and not act like that, then you have a very good chance with him because he's waiting to see if you are going to step up to the plate or not. And she said, I just don't understand why he keeps giving me more chances. Empathy. Yeah. He knows firsthand and has been in her shoes, probably behaving very similarly um, to what to what she's experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really big practice in empathy. And I'm not saying he should either, you know, he deserves kindness and happiness and and an open open communication type of relationship for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a big practice in empathy. Mm-hmm. She asked too, Kelly, um, at one point in the session, why he hadn't introduced her to his kids because she picks on that as a big issue. Why won't you bring me home? Why won't you introduce me to your family? Why are you keeping me secret? And he, um, the guide's answer to her was that... Um, he was trying to go through a slow process to get to know her to see if she was going to be somebody who was going to stick around in his life. And that he didn't have other women on the line, that he wasn't, this wasn't a secret. All of his kids um, know about her, know her name, know what she does, know about their relationship, that he's very direct with them about that, but that this process was important to him because it was part of his maturing and his change. Mm-hmm. And she had been attacking him, accusing him of that he had another girlfriend or or whatever her insecurities were. And she went, I remember at one point in that session when that came out, that again, she's like, oh shit, is this where I go into my shame for the way I've been behaving? Or is this where I'm not supposed to feel shame? What do I do here? And I said, well, I said, if you go into your shame and it's a healthy dose of shame, if it's a small amount and you recognize, learn your lesson and make your plan of action to apologize about that and not to do it ever again to him, then it can just be a short dosage that does a lot of good for you. 
But if you sit in it and you don't do any healthy actions, you don't change at all, and you continue your cycle, then that's unhealthy shame. So I said, you have a choice there. And I said, but that's part of the reason why your emotional intelligence has to grow if you're going to be with this man. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you're not attractive, not thin enough, not this, not good enough. It's not that. It's that he's, he, he has a bar. He's working and he wants someone at that bar. So that's how our session ended. I know I went back a little bit there and, and got the session mixed up, but I wanted to point that out. So thanks for your patience. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the session, she just thanked the spirit guides for the truth so that she could see what was going on in the relationship and see him more clearly. And her last comment to me was, I don't think I've been seeing him clearly. I don't think you think. <laughs> yeah. That was her last comment. Okay, so it's like still kind of sinking in. Yes. I don't think it's going to be able to sink in deeply for her if she doesn't get the books, if mm-hmm. she doesn't get the therapy, if she doesn't do the work. Mm-hmm. Because she's been in it for so many decades. Yeah, you're never going to really see or under, pardon me, you're never really going to understand the effects or full effects of the shame and where it limits you. Yeah, that's right. Without being willing to get in and do some of the work for it, mm-hmm. just like he's doing. And I think it's beautiful because you get to see in this story that as he's actually doing what you and I call the dirty work, he has better relationships with his children, his daughters-in-law. He's looking for a healthy partner. You get a healthier partner, you're going to have a happier life. He also has more self-esteem. He does. He's got self-worth. He's got boundaries. Like, this is a happier man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for putting the show together today. You're very welcome. Happy Saturday, everyone. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.